9 o'clock, Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Got something you want to get off your chest. Can't find the right Christmas gift, whether it's shopping locally. And we always, always, always encourage you to shop locally. You're maybe dreading being around around the family. Maybe that's part of it. I I certainly don't, but maybe that's part of it. Buckeye, you're you're always okay to be around the family, right? Well, at least most Who's of, family. Most of the family? Uh, mine? Yeah, just well now in your now extended family or uh, Karen's uh, side of the family. It depends on who's listening at this moment, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, sure. You love being around all of them, right? Yeah, I love them all. Yeah. Okay. As long as they know they have their own homes to go to. You know? Yeah. Other than that, I'm just saying. Is there anything about the holiday season? Okay, what, what, are, the, what are your big gripes about the holiday season? Well, family, Jim, really. <laughs> okay, let's get back to that then. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just kind of one of those. I, I'm i not a big crowd. Let's get everybody together and gotcha. do the whole thing person. Gotcha. I'm a... I'm a let's do my own thing type person. Your first uh, Christmas as a married couple? Yes. Yeah, it is. First Christmas married. So there's all sorts of different numbers. It's a married, Merry Christmas. Yeah, thanks for thanks to like COVID and a bunch of other things. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's the first one married, and we're going to focus on that. That's I, the good part. I always go back and forth about Christmas lights because there was a time... When I love putting Christmas lights up. Well, at least I told myself yeah. I love to do it because we had the kids and then the mm-hmm. grandkids, and now everybody's older. They're all adults, and I'm like, what a pain in the butt. <laughs> I <laughs> like, pain, but I did put lights up this year. I like the idea of doing it. I don't like the actual implementation. We didn't put up any real, quote-unquote, Christmas lights. We had our lights from last year that we never took down. And then all of the, not all of, but a lot of the decorations we used for our wedding <laughs> got repurposed as Christmas decorations. So like right. our archway, some of the lights, they're on our fence out front. So we got her grandmother's pre-lighted Christmas tree and we put that outside. So yeah, we we kind of, we, we threw some stuff together. It looks good. I like the way it looks, you know, but it's not one of those traditional Look at these Christmas. Nobody's going to gotcha. be driving past our house to see our Christmas Gotcha. Lights. Yeah, and I, I need to give Kenda credit. She helped me. We put up lighted garland around the mm-hmm. window, and Kenda, we, we did it together. It wasn't yeah. like I just did it. But usually I'm kind of like the one that goes, okay, she's she does indoors. I, mm-hmm. I do the outdoors. And it's like, okay, what do we want to do? Karen and, was Clark. I was Rusty. I She gave yeah. me the ball and was like, here, untangle this. <laughs> I It kept me out of the way. Really is what it is. So did. Karen just took charge and said, get out of the way. Yeah, pretty much. She Nick Burns you like the yeah, uh, famous she, Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. IT guy on SNL. No, move. move. Yeah, she Nick Burns me for sure, which is a v- smart decision on her part. And see, and I, uh, part of it too is that our neighbor across the street, Woody, does such an incredible job with his Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't compete with that. I'm right. not even going to tr- Why should I even try? Why, it, it's... It's an incredible Christmas light display. Yeah. Why am I even going to try? We went driving around. We did the thing Sunday. And 
there's some really, really nice houses, really well done up, a lot of time and effort, and they're just incredible. And then next door, there's a very nice decorated house. Right. But it is... But it pales, pales in, compar- in comparison. And that's where I am with my neighbor, Woody. And for me, like, that's where I'd be like, if there's somebody on our cul-de-sac that had a big light... There's only... There's 10 houses on our cul-de-sac, and three of them are lit, and two of them my wife either did most or all of the decorating. Right. And I, yeah, <laughs> so. and, and I just feel I just feel like that, okay, I'm, I'm going to make the effort to be in the holiday spirit, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm thankful for him yeah. that, that he does that because it's such a wonderful thing for our neighborhood. You should put up a sign, look at that dude's house. Yeah, look, check these out. You, know. you want to see a really impressive Christmas light display. Yeah. That's that's it right there. Like we we decorated right. We have stuff up inside and outside, but it was just kind of one of those where Thanksgiving happened, and we were so focused on that because we we're having it at our house that we're like, okay, we're kind of low key in Christmas, and now all of a sudden Christmas is at our house, and so it's turning into a stressful time of gotcha. Do we need more Christmas around, or is this low key enough? Or is it, yeah, is it good enough? Yeah. So, we got something you want to whine about today. Uh, also, we got some thoughts about the the death of Franco Harris. Uh, just shocking. We do not know what Franco Harris passed away from. Yeah, I haven't seen. But um, he was going to have his number retired on Saturday when the Steelers hosted the Raiders, the 50th anniversary of, of course, the Immaculate Reception, which Franco catches the deflected pass mm-hmm. 72 playoff game against the Raiders takes it in for the touchdown and that really begins kind of the the Steeler era that they, they lost to Miami in the FC championship game the next week but it really started that that run of four Super Bowls in the 1970s for the Pittsburgh Steelers Hall of Famer and was going to have his number retired on Saturday and now sadly it'll be posthumously uh, when that happens, oh, I wonder. I mean, it's the Steelers, and they waited so long. Does the Rooney family maybe go? Whew. Okay, we'll wait another twenty or thirty years. Since he's not with us, he passed prematurely. We weren't able to get it done before he passed, so now we can wait a little bit longer. I, I just feel like, you know, maybe this will be a a lesson learned by by the Steelers and other organizations where you don't know when somebody's going to die. You you don't right. And nobody could have anticipated that he was going to pass away. At this but, point. But yeah, at this point. But I mean, you can pretty much generally guess that everyone's gonna at some point. But but to me, when if you're good enough, you're good enough, and that should have happened, and that should have happened a long time ago. Right. And this is the the Steelers and their 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 stubbornness in regard to retiring numbers. They have lots that are including Franco's that were not officially retired, but not not but, reissued, but not reissued to players. You know, Terry Bradshaw and you know Jack Lambert and and, and company, uh, that that are in that group. Mel Blunt, Jerome Bettis, that their numbers have not been reissued, but they also have not been retired either. Mm-hmm. And and it's just unfortunate that that this happened where he was just days away from having his number retired. That there, that he passes away. There aren't a ton of. NFL retired numbers and when you have so many different players that you need numbers for and you only can go one through a hundred or zero through a hundred yeah now zero you know you you really you gotta be judicious with it yeah so like the Browns can't just go out there and be like 
All right, Brian Hoyer, your numbers. Are, no. <laughs> yeah. You, like, there's five numbers for the Browns retired. Should there be more? Yeah, probably. But when you got to figure 45 and 46 are retired for guys that played a combined two seasons for the team, one of them's Ernie Davis. You know, you can probably f- dig through their history, such as it is here recently, and go with, okay, maybe there's a couple other guys that either passed on and we never really honored them to the extent they deserve, or guys like, going forward, I don't know if there's going to be anybody that is as good or as much of a face of the franchise as Joe Thomas. So what are we waiting for? Yeah. I think it's tough because for, for my team specifically. Because I mean, we're 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 cracking on the Steelers here, but the Broncos only have three. Mm-hmm. It's John Elway, it's Floyd Little, Elway's number seven, right. Floyd Little's number forty-four, and eighteen for Frank Trapuca, which got unretired, mm-hmm. so PFM could wear it. Could wear it, yeah. And he asked, and he asked, and I think the thing for Franco Harris is the dude won four Super Bowls, and he was a class of ninety Hall of Famer. Why are we just getting to it now? I don't think there's an argument about deserve it's like he deserved in the 80s exactly and i guess here's the thing about it that and you bring up a good point that i want to kind of work off of that how do you approach it where you only have zero through 100 well Mm -hmm. zero through 99 because you can't wear number 100 zero through 99 of how many numbers can you can you pass on can you do that I mean that you you know that you have to go okay we have to set these aside never to be re you know never to be used again mm-hmm. because you are limited it's not like you right and you know can you do like what PFM did and ask Frank Trapuca for his permission to to use the number well sure you can do that but it, it does paint teams into a corner when it comes to numbers getting retired and who who deserves that is there a limit. Are we going to are we going to hold it at five guys and that's it? Mm-hmm. Those numbers are retired, can never be used again. You could you could work with five probably being retired and never to be used again. I I think the thing is for for me, if you have set a precedent, then you get into some problems, right? Right. Like the Bears, they just kind of retire numbers. They have, like, what, 14 numbers retired? So now you're down to, like, 86 total numbers for the history of the franchise. That's a bad precedent. The Cowboys have never retired a number. So there's no one out there saying, like, well, maybe Emmett Smith's 22 should be retired with blank. Because there's no one up there. And that's fine. But But if if you're the Steelers and you retire a number from the 60s, and then you wait 40 years after he's gone from the team to retire Franco Harris, who right. arguably as much as anyone represents the Steel Curtain era. He wasn't on the defense, obviously, but Steel Curtain era of the Steelers' greatness, that's kind of ridiculous. There are some obvious ones like the Cardinals, Pat Tillman. That's kind of an obvious one to retire, you know, but like Green Bay only has six retired numbers. And Favre's one of them, Reggie White before him. You know, the Colts have nine, eight or nine. You know, the Chiefs have a few, the Rams have a few. It's when you start kind of retiring numbers for just kind of. Yeah, I I just think you have to be very, you have to number, you have to set a number of how many 
you feel comfortable as an organization retiring and acknowledging that there are going to be those that that never get that opportunity that that probably are very worthy very mm-hmm. deserving but it's just not going to happen for them and you know in in the case of of Elway yes Floyd Little yes Frank Trapuca I understand how good he was the one one time assistant coach mm-hmm. played in the CFL played in the NFL they needed a quarterback he played and he had a, he had a great you know great couple of seasons and then of course Peyton Manning wore 18 as well and the numbers are undeniable how right. great he was as a Broncos quarterback. But for Trapucas, maybe it was too early to retire yeah. that number. I, and I agree with that. You know, and so, like, Tennessee has retired numbers from the Oilers' days. Warren Moon, Earl Campbell, Bruce Matthews, and a couple others, right? But those are not retired as Tennessee Titans they're numbers. Titans retired numbers, yeah. They are. They go. They're going to yep. across the board. Okay, because I mean they kept the lineage. It's not like right. the Ravens retired thirty-two for Jim Brown, right? They kept that lineage when they moved out of Houston. Like Seattle retired twelve for the twelfth man people. Yeah, for, for for the fans for the fans, which is kind of dumb, honestly, because that limits your. And your options eventually on numbers for noise, essentially. Yeah, it's a tribute to the fans. I I don't have as big a problem with it as, Everybody as you has do, fans. but yeah, and their their fans are great. And Denver could do the yeah. same thing if they wanted some kind of tribute to the. I mean, not that Denver associates with the twelfth man. Right. Let's retire a towel for the Steelers. You know, it's like tire incomplete. Yeah, the Broncos fans go. should ask Connor about that. Yeah, um, you know, but I think the problem you get into Steelers specific is you look at their retired numbers and you're like, okay, one of these guys is not like the other two. Sorry to to sell you out there, Ernie Stoutner, but. He retired before they ever won a playoff game, and the other yeah. two guys won four Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I just but, like, but you know, like I said, it, it gets it gets a tough call to make. Mm-hmm. It's a because, moving target for because sure. you have because you have a limited. You're you're zero to ninety nine. Mm-hmm. You're limited on what you can do. And does retired truly mean retired? Right. Or do you do you allow like what the Broncos did with Frank Trapuca and Peyton Manning for players to go? I like that number. Or like, the, like, like he had Philip Lindsay ask yeah. TD, hey, are you, not that his number's retired, but are you okay with me wearing it? Mm-hmm. Saw a Philip Lindsay jersey at the mall on Saturday. Yeah. It's a few of those floating around. Yeah. I just chuckled. So I, I don't know how, I don't know what the best way is to approach it because mm-hmm. to me, you have, when you have things like, like the, the Ring of Fame for the Broncos, you have the, those are, those opportunities, they're out there too. To honor players, right, and maybe retiring numbers isn't the best way to go. Honor the player, not the number, and and maybe numbers shouldn't be retired. I'm I'm just kind of thinking out loud here about this, that maybe that's not the best way to go because it does limit what you can do in terms of a ring of fame. Anybody can go in, long as long as they meet certain criteria from their right. career, then they can go in. When you retire a number, then all of a sudden that number's taken away from somebody you need to assign a number to down the road, and it creates an issue. And 
I don't know if retiring numbers necessarily needs to be something that goes on. And I'm seeing because I'm kind of looking through ESPN. And, an and I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying that uh, Franco Harris didn't deserve to have his number retired. Right. It's more the overall idea of does it make sense to retire numbers? No, absolutely. And like Chuck Hughes for the Lions, his number eighty five was retired because he died during a game in the 71 season, right? But since that number was retired, there have been six players to wear it. You know, so maybe that's a route to go in. Or, you know what, you do it something like, I know it's college and it's completely different, but Ohio State has the number zero. It's their Block O jersey that is given out as a reward for, you know, commitment to the program, all of these other tent poles that these players right. have to meet. Yeah. Maybe that's something that you can do with a retired number that, yeah, you know what? Maybe this person is not going to, this number is not going to be worn by just anybody anymore. It has to be like earned or something. I don't exactly. Know. Like a walk on. Yeah. There, there's some prestigious element or a player that has passed away that wore that number mm-hmm. and kind of like the Ryan Teixeira situation with number 17 yeah. uh, that you know that you have a connection because of a player that, that had played there maybe all-time great maybe it's a player that, mm-hmm. that, that passed away and, and so they, that way you recognize you honor that individual but don't take that number out of out of the ones you have to, to allocate to players yeah, I, there's a way to do it. I think he's just, and I think each team has their own way to do it. I just, it's just no matter how you go about retiring numbers, if you're gonna have the precedent that you do retire numbers, what are you waiting forty years for? Frank uh, yeah, Harris exactly. For? If you're gonna do it, then you why know, didn't you do it a long time ago? It's like the Broncos and waiting for so long to put people in the Ring of Fame. Yeah, like if you're gonna do it for people. Like and why are you waiting? Fin- they finally did it for Mike Shanahan. They 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 did it fortunately for Dan Reeves. But yeah, like, why are you waiting that long? I understand there's bad blood, but somebody should be the grown up with like I know we're we have some bad blood with Mike, but the owners no longer the owner, the GM's no longer the GM. Nobody with any association to his departure other than the logo. Yeah. If you're good enough, you're good enough, and you should right. be in. It doesn't matter what the relationship was. Like Mike Shanahan took him to back-to-back Super Bowls, first Super Bowl win. Yeah. Why did they have to wait 12 years? Bad blood or not, I don't yeah, care. I mean, it's not like it was forever, but it just seemed for a guy of that of his right. accomplishments that that should have happened within five years. John Lynch made it in nine. Yeah. After playing for the Broncos, Shanahan for should have minutes. been should have been there way yeah. sooner than than John Lynch. All right, so uh, you're probably wondering, where's Brian Roth today? Well, Brian, Who knows? He might be on a plane. Brian, uh, of course, had the call uh, on the team yesterday of the uh, famous Idaho Potatoes Bowl. Yeah. And uh, and so he's also going to have the call of the Sun Bowl as well coming yes. up here on the team. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. But um, I texted Brian. He probably got in late last night. We decided not to bother him. Right. Ruffians and the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, for Colorado State, I mean, today, for most, you know, early signing period is today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you what. He may also be doing that, too. 
he could very well be doing that. I know today. they have podcasts and webcasts and the right. Thing, so. And so, but I know that uh, Jay Norvell, very very busy uh, with recruiting twenty commits for the class. Of course, they had a lot of guys that also hit the transfer portal as well. But uh, they have twenty report, uh, reported commits for the twenty twenty three class, and. Um, one of the emphasis areas of emphasis was offensive line, which we certainly saw that they poor poor Clay Millen, um, you know, getting smacked around the freshman quarterback. That was an area that they really focused on was improving their offensive line depth. And for Colorado, it's got fifteen commits right now, and we'll we'll break it down more tomorrow with with Mark Johnson. Uh, voice the Buffaloes. Of course, we'll, we'll try to you know talk with Brian Roth uh, perhaps next week uh, about uh, what uh, what the Rams ended up doing, what they end up doing in terms of uh, of National Signing Day. But Colorado has confirmed their coaching staff, and so we'll take a break. We'll come back and, and dive into that uh, of who Coach Prime has as his coaching staff over at the University of Colorado. So we'll get into that. Get into more of your text as well. Uh, we got one from Jim here on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. What does it say that the Broncos got a win and a good offensive output with a million-dollar man on the sideline? Sorry, just poking the bear. Yeah, uh, They also get a pretty good offensive output from that million-dollar man the week before against Kansas City, too. So, to be fair... Eh, to be fair. To be fair, Russ did pretty good the week before as well. All right, we will take a break. It's Jim, good to hear from you. We'll take a break, and we'll come back and talk about who uh, Deion Sanders has hired as his coaching staff at Colorado. That's coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Fill your cup with holiday hoops cheer on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Okay, who do we got this time? Who's this? This is uh, Bumblefoot and Lips. Uh, the the uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Cudlow, Steve Cudlow. Oh, okay, from Anvil. Oh yeah, so yeah, it's Lips. Band with the great, the, the great cult reputation. Yeah, in Anvil. Let's see, what did I... Oh, did you watch uh, the Monday night opening uh, sequence yep. with uh, Brett Michaels? I did not. That Brett Michaels made an appearance with Kevin from The Office, because okay. that's a TV show that Aaron Rodgers loves, and I can't remember the actor's name that, that played Kevin on there, but he was... He lives in LA, but he's still a Packers fan, and he invited Brett Michaels and all of his... But he's over, and Michaels has ties to, to Green Bay. And I thought Michaels was a Steelers fan. He's a big Pirates fan. So anyway, he was, but he was well, he's on from Pittsburgh, but because it was, uh, it was they they changed it up to uh, like want nothing but a good game. Said ain't nothing but a good time. Want oh. nothing but a good game. And so that was what they they did with Brett Michaels on that. Okay, we uh, we move on from heavy metal Christmas music and Brett Michaels to. Coach Prime's new coaching staff. Yay. So, made it official. We know that Charles Kelly, after reports it was going to be Mike Zimmer, former Vikings head coach, 
that Charles Kelly, associate defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Alabama the past four seasons, uh, is going to be the defensive coordinator. And so he was special teams coordinator and safeties coach at Tennessee in 2018, was at Florida State for five seasons, including the last four as the Seminoles defensive coordinator, part of national championship teams at Alabama in 2020 and Florida State 2013, coached at Auburn. Jacksonville State, Henderson State, Nichols State, and Georgia Tech. So Jackson State and Jacksonville the, State. Correct. No or ja- the Stoch- coaching staff. Yeah. yeah, but no, yeah, no Jackson State for Charles Kelly. Correct. But close with Jacksonville close. State. Close. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah. Sean Lewis is the offensive coordinator, head coach at Kent State the last five seasons, where they went twenty four and thirty one. He was a tight end at Wisconsin, coached at Nebraska, Omaha before they did away with their program, Akron, Eastern Illinois, Bowling Green, and Syracuse. Co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Bowling Green 2015 and had the same role at Syracuse before going to Kent State. And his offenses typically are among the national leaders in in yardage per game when he was at Kent State. And pace. They're ridiculously up-tempo. So, Brett Bartolone, who was... Jackson State's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach uh, after two seasons as an analyst and assistant quarterbacks coach in Nevada. He's also coached at Carleton College, St. Lawrence University, Whittier College, and was a student assistant at Washington State. He's part of the staff. Tim Brewster coached Jackson State's tight ends after two seasons working with tight ends at Florida. Was the head coach at Minnesota. Tight ends coach for the Broncos from 05 to 06. Worked in North Carolina, Texas, Mississippi State, Florida State, Texas A&M, Florida, and with the Chargers. Graham Harrell was running backs coach at Jackson State the last three years. Head coach at Howard for five seasons. Uh, he went 20-36 and 36 there. Assistant at Howard, Florida A&M, Morgan State, Bowie State, Florida Atlanta, and uh, Alabama State for Gary Harrell. Andre Hart, three seasons coaching linebackers at Jackson State. Coached with... Uh, Deion Sanders at Trinity Christian School in Cedar Hill, Texas, when he was a high school coach. Hart, the head coach at Trinity for three seasons. Uh, They won three state titles there. Kevin Mathis coached defensive backs at Jackson State the last three years and coached with Sanders at Trinity. He was their defensive coordinator. They were teammates when they played with the Cowboys, 97-99. Mathis also played with the Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. Bill O'Boyle, a name that's familiar for Colorado Mesa, Football fan. Bill O'Boyle at Kent State the past five years. Coached offensive line. Had titles of assistant head coach and run game coordinator. Before Kent, he coached O-line at South Dakota State, Southern Illinois. Offensive coordinator at Colorado Mesa in 2012 when he was on Russ Martin's staff. Was at Shadron State from 94 to 2011. Including offensive coordinator and head coach. Went 57-21 and 21 when he was the head coach at Shadron State. Dennis Thurman, defensive coordinator at Jackson State the past three seasons. He was at USC from 93 to 2000. 17 years in the NFL, including defensive coordinator of the Jets and the Bills. Was an All-America safety at USC, played nine years in the league. Nick Williams was an analyst at Texas A&M the past two seasons. Worked to the defensive line, former DB at Georgia. A student assistant, grad assistant for three seasons at his alma mater before going to A&M. And so that's, in a nutshell, that's who you have as your University of Colorado Buffalo's coaching staff for Coach Deion Sanders. 
so the takeaways there. Number one, a lot of people that he's worked with and he knows and trusts from Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Also, a tie-in to a very successful, insanely successful program in Alabama with Charles Kelly. And then Sean Lewis brings what you would like to think is going to be a very exciting up-tempo offense to Folsom Field. Yeah, there's an article from Pete Thamel at ESPN, and I remember reading it, so I went back and found it. Kent State was the fastest offense in the group of five and the fourth fastest in college football, averaging just a skosh over 30 seconds of real time between snaps. And one of the coaches that he coached against says it makes sense. They'll be able to get players and play in a wide-open passing attack. They'll be explosive, athletic, attacking. I think anytime you're dealing with altitude, no matter what system you run, it's something you have to adapt to. I think it fits a little bit of the wide-open, attacking Pac-12 type of offenses. They should be able to track guys who want to play in that type of system. And so what Okay, so you have with with Lewis Mm -hmm. an offense that definitely is going to be tailored to Shadur Sanders. Yeah. And what he brings to the table, big-time dual-threat quarterback. And then on the defensive side, Kelly, well, he, he brings you know to this Buffs team national championship on his resume and a couple, you know, Florida State and Alabama. Mm-hmm. Alabama finished in the top 20 in scoring defense in all four of Kelly's seasons with the program, along with winning a championship in 2020. So, I mean, his fingerprints are on that. Likewise, Nick Saban as well mm-hmm. on that side of the football. And... And so Kelly is a guy that has a lot of experience. Alabama, part of that. Florida State, uh, considered very valued on, on the Crimson Tide staff. And But he was not going to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. That was, no. not, gonna, that was not in the offing for him. And so this, this gives him the opportunity to be a D.C. at the age of 55. I do like the way it's put together. An attacking offense with Sean Lewis, an up-tempo offense that can maybe take advantage of altitude. Mm -hmm. A guy that has a lot of defensive knowledge in what he learned from Nick Saban and Charles Kelly. And a lot of guys in this team that that you know, already know, are going to know a lot of these players. They're the, the, the ones that come from Jackson State, like Tim Brewster. And a guy that's been a former college head coach at Minnesota. And guys that have some NFL experience, which is something that Deion Sanders is trying to sell to recruits. You come here, mm-hmm. you're going to learn from guys that have played in the National Football League. A little bit of what's gone on with Miles Cochaver in CMU, where, not the same degree, but you have guys like a Crockett Gilmore that played in the league with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Trent Matthews that played in the Canadian Football League. Guys that have some, Anthony Hill that was obviously an outstanding quarterback, at Colorado State, guys that have had experience and success at higher levels, and to be able to impart that kind of knowledge, that kind of experience to to players coming in, is a valuable thing to have. And and I think that you're definitely going to see that with with Colorado. I think I, I like the staff that he's put together because I like the experience mm-hmm. of guys who are former head coaches like Sean Lewis and Tim Brewster. Guys that have been with great programs like Charles Kelly and individuals that have been able to have played and coached at the NFL level. And Bill O'Boyle's a really good offensive line coach. 
It's one of the things that's always been said about O'Boyle is yeah. his ability to to develop offensive linemen. So and if you compare a good defense with what Sean Lewis can do offensively, you should be a pretty decent team. I mean, you take a look last year, twenty twenty one total offense. Ohio State led the country. Just had to throw that in there. Five hundred and sixty one yards per game. Kent State was fifth in mm. FBS at four ninety four per game. Like they were fifth in first downs. They were ridiculously productive offensively. It didn't really result in a ton of points, but you gotta figure with maybe higher quality players than what you're gonna get in a middle of the road Mac school at Boulder, that might get better. And pair it with a good defense whose defense was not very good this past year, allowing almost 440 yards of offense per game. Pair it with a good defense, and you would hope that it turns into wins. You would hope so. and But it does get back. You know, There's no telling it actually will, but yeah. you would hope. Look, on paper, the X's and O's could be really, really good. And not to get cliche, though, but it does, it does come down to the, the Jimmys and Joes. Yeah, can Deion Sanders get the kind of recruits to come in that can compete with a USC, a Utah, an Oregon, and now and now an Oregon State? Right. It's not. It's not going to be this year. Probably next year is the year you really want to point at twenty four, because twenty three you're going to have this incoming class, all these transfers. Everybody's going to be learning this, trying to play the whole thing, and it may not coalesce immediately but 24 should be maybe not good but dangerous and here's the thing that i like about it too there are names on the staff where say sanders decides to leave after a year Mm -hmm. or two where you'd feel comfortable with that continuity continuing yeah that you would still hopefully build on some success that that happens hopefully in 2023 Mm -hmm. and you know, I, I'm wanting to think that Sanders at least will be there for two years. No promises on that. Right. I'd like to think he'll be there for at least two years. But if it goes well, at least one side of the ball, one of those guys can yeah. step into that job. Exactly. A Charles Kelly, Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis you know, that the, they're a Tim Brewster that's been a head coach, that one of those guys can keep building what Sanders already started if he decides to go someplace else. Because that has to be part of, of looking at this going forward. It's great to be excited about Coach Prime and, and what's going on right now. But mm-hmm. if it goes well, he's going to be gone. And then what's next? Because it can't be, well, that was that was two years of really fun football. Well, back to back to kind of sucking. Your goal if you're Rick George has to be that it's Sanders is going to leave it better than when he got there. And there's people in place for that to continue on. All right, 938. Jim along with Buckeye Boy. And uh, it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, we go back to 1891. Dr. James Naismith introduces the first game of basketball based on 13 rules created by Naismith. The game is tested by 18 students at the school for Christian workers in Springfield, Massachusetts, using a soccer ball, two peach baskets, and two teams of nine players each. The objective is to throw a round ball into a round basket attached to a balcony 10 feet above the floor. 1941, Chicago Bears win the NFL championship with a 37-9 route of the New York Giants. 
1975, the Buffalo Sabres score eight goals in the third period of a 14-2 win over Washington. Rick Martin scores four goals, and Fred Stanfield gets three for Buffalo. The Sabres, who led 6-2 after two periods, outshoot the Capitals 22-3 in the final period. 1997, Barry Sanders of the Detroit Lions becomes the third player to rush for 2,000 yards in a season when he gains 184 yards in a 13-10 win over the New York Jets. Sanders finishes with 2,053 yards, second to Eric Dickerson's 2,105 in 1984. And 2008, just for you, Buckeye, Cleveland's Jamal Lewis becomes the 24th player in league history to rush for 10,000 career yards in the Browns' 14-0 loss to Cincinnati. Is that before or after he got arrested with all the blow? Mm, I don't Can't know. Remember. I don't I don't know. It's an interesting timeline there. <laughs> all, uh, you saying Lewis. that there's maybe a connection there? Uh two thousand five was when he went to federal prison. And this was, was two thousand eight. Yeah, look at that. Look go Browns. <laughs> go Browns. Look at that. Another it's started well before Deshaun Watson. Okay, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Some garbage time on the way. Uh, do we want to do four down territory? Do we want to work that in today? Yeah, I got some stuff. Okay, we'll do that. And uh, garbage time as well. That's on the way. It's a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. You can win a bottle of Talon Wine today if you got something you need to complain about from your daily life, from the world of sports. Text or call us today. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line 970-242-1340. We'll take a break and come back with more on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Nine forty-three, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Just a little reminder, by the way, that uh, we will be off on Friday. Friday and Monday will be off. Back with you yes. on Tuesday, by the way. And uh, next week for the holiday, looks like. Our show is going to be a little bit shorter, 7 to 9, Tuesday through next Friday. So keep that in mind, but we we will have our... I said woo-hoo. We'll have our football picks coming up tomorrow at 920. I believe uh, the Pope's going to be uh, in studio. His eminence is going to grace us with his presence in the studio tomorrow. See, is he going to grace us with anything else? Have we confirmed that? No, his oh. his charming personality, his radiant smile. What what else do you want? What, he's, you think he has to bring us chicken wings every single time he drops by? Come on, come a, on. Is that a rhetorical question, or you really want me to answer? You don't really want me to answer. No, I know question. what the answer is. It's yes, but no, no, he does not have to. Chicken wings, medium spicy. His are sweet and savory. They're not really spicy. Yeah. Which they're meaty like. though. They're, they're definitely oh, meaty. Yeah. There, there's a lot of meat in those bones. Anyway, he's going to join us tomorrow, and from uh, the vault, Pat Butcher is going to join us. Who, um, now, in his own words, I know nothing about football. <laughs> so, well, good. Well, so does Cake, and he's <laughs> leading the picks on the website. So. I just don't know how that's happening. I, just, I don't know I, either. I just don't. I feel real, real confident most days when I make my picks, and then I go look at the standings. And like, what the? What is going on here? What did I do wrong? So who's, okay, who's in second, you or me? It'd be you by four points. Okay. 
So. I haven't I haven't looked in in a little bit. Yeah, so you're uh, you're 13 behind the uh, old uh, afternoon snooze there. I just don't and know how. I'm how? 17 how? back. How with three weeks how? to play? How is this going to work? Oh, I'm very troubled by that, and I'm yeah. like, I'm too behind you, right? Which doesn't trouble me as much. So, yeah, on, on the on the show picks, I'm ahead. By two. By two. On the website, you're ahead of me by four points. Okay. Because we do multiple different pick situations. Right. Uh, and uh, do want to acknowledge Jeremy Davis. No yeah. relation, by the way, over at Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, won a $25. He uh, captured a $25 gift certificate to Del Taco Which, with our uh, Pile Pigskin Pick'em powered by Kistner Motors. He may or may not receive. Because he asked if I could bring it because he's on the Half Ton of Fun bowling team, right? Tomorrow night. He asked promotions if I could bring that, and I said, sure. I'll uh, double check. I know how to get a hold of Jeremy. Well, you can, but if I've I'm already a, spent it, then no, I don't really well, no, care. No, no, no. Then, then you're going to cough up what? You're going to cough up 25 bucks then to Jeremy. Tacos, not just on Tuesdays. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, maybe, I, Jeremy, maybe I just need to swing it by the office. Maybe I just need to do that. Maybe I just need to take control of the situation. He asked me to, knowing full well what could possibly happen. I know. Part of this is on him. Well, he's trying to do that from a convenience standpoint because he wants to think that, number one, you're a seam at bowling uh-huh. and that you're you're going to be above board about this. And apparently, you, <laughs> you're choosing not to less be. less than a mile away. Come on. Make it in here. Can we do four down territory now? Sure. Are, you, are you done? Yeah, I mean, your show. <laughs> Shut up. Because like, I'm cracking on it, you're going to no, no. steal a certificate, so... No, not I'm, at all. I'm just saying how how wrong I'm that is. electing dictator. Like I said, he knows full well what could happen. This is partially on him if he doesn't get it. It's time for Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. <laughs> and Petey wondered why I called you a jerk yesterday. He wonders why. Again, that's on him. He should know. <laughs> First down. Not his first down. I'm going to talk about one of your favorite college football teams, the yeah. Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. J.J. McCarthy will be Michigan's starting quarterback for at least another season when next year rolls around. But it looks like the Wolverines have found an interesting transfer to back him up. Six-year quarterback Jake Tuttle announced he is transferring to Michigan from Indiana. So Tuttle threw for 901 yards and five touchdowns in 15 games at Indiana. Lost out to Missouri transfer Connor uh, Bazelik. He suffered a season-ending shoulder injury against Penn State. That's the only game he played in in 2022. Former four-star recruit out of San Marcos, California, Mission Hills High School. Committed to Utah. Played there one season before transferring to Indiana. So it looks like he is going to be the backup to J.J. McCarthy moving forward. Second down. There's been a lot of... um, speculation that Matthew Stafford might retire. Mm-hmm. Might be done. Got got himself a Super Bowl championship last year. Yep. Well, he went on his wife's podcast. Of course he did. She That's asked a hard him, get, right? She, yeah. <laughs> really tough. Roll over a bit. Hey, you want to be on my podcast today? Okay. She asked him straight up, are you retiring? And he said, no, immediately. So, Matthew Stafford, She'll be back as the Rams quarterback next year. 
Now the question will be, will Baker Mayfield be there to be his backup? Yeah, quarterback battle. Carson Wentz might be available too. Bring him back. <laughs> right. He wasn't a Ram, but he was, you know, part of that draft. Correct. Jared Goff. So yeah, bring him back. Uh, <laughs> so the Miami Heat uh, got punished because they sat Jimmy Butler, among others, for knee maintenance last week. So the NBA fined them $25,000 on Friday morning. An hour after the fine was announced, the Heat released an injury report in the run-up to their game uh, on Saturday with the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, Every single player on the Heat's active roster are listed as injured. So who's going to... They don't have a. I guess they could call their well, no, JV no. team. They have a G League team, don't but they? They're like questionable, probable, right. out, probable, questionable. I'm just, I'm just kidding about yeah. that. By the way, like, uh, let's see, Orlando, Orlando Robinson is probable with lower back discomfort. Gabe Vincent is out with left knee effusion. Max Struss is probable with right shoulder impingement. Every single player on the roster. <laughs> that's pettiness. I love. <laughs> Right, okay, you're going to find me. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and put everybody out. Uh, the Mets are now into the Steve Cohen threshold of the luxury tax. Their payroll is going to be butting up against, with the luxury tax fine, of nearly $500 million for next season. That's ridiculous. It's insane. And it's not even Bobby Bonilla Day, although he's <laughs> going to be on the payroll for next year because, yep. of course, he is. Thanks, Steve Phillips. You know who else's Bobby Bonilla-esque contract kicks in? Chris Davis. Chris former. with a K? Or no, no. Chris, no, the other Chris. The other Chris. Crush Davis. Crush, okay. He of the 40 home runs and 500 strikeouts. Yes. Uh, $42 million in deferred payments by the Orioles. Davis is going to receive $9.16 million a year for the next three years. And then in 26, it's down $3.5 million for Seven years, and then starting in 2023, he gets four years worth of 1.4 million dollars. Also helping pay Max Scherzer outside the Mets. Speaking of Bobby Bonilla type deal, the Nationals still owe him deferred money from their contract, which he's now two teams removed from playing with them. <laughs> Love deferred contracts. The sixth highest paid Red in 2022 was Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> And it's been how long since he's played for the Reds? It's 16 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's great. I love it. I love stuff like that. All right. So that's uh, four down territory. Let's uh, let's wrap it up with uh, some garbage time today. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right. we talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. YouTube, YouTube TV is going to be paying what? 2.5, 2.8 billion dollars a year, two and a for, half, two, I think. yeah, I think yeah. it's 2.5 2. Mm-hmm. billion a year for the Sunday ticket. Is that all? That's all they're paying? I I I guess the the, the question I have is that I mean, okay, are you are you inclined are you inclined at all? To do YouTube TV to get to get that, not even because you're going to pay. You're going to have to pay outside of what you normally right. pay for YouTube TV. Not even at all. And that's where look the Amazon model 
to me as as a consumer mm-hmm. makes the most sense because we keep an eye on this because of the potential for the, for Amazon to have the Pac-12 right at some point that because uh, they just released a schedule for MLS and they're going to be on Apple now and they're still going to have some games on ABC ESPN but you have to pay extra where at least the baseball stuff that's on Apple TV you don't have to pay extra for right but the MLS you're going to I just think that if I'm already if I'm already paying for a service I shouldn't have to pay on top of that mm-hmm. and that's where I do I, I do kind of hope that at least the Pac-12, that Amazon's where they end up landing because they're just they're just looking to get subscribers. Right. And and they're they don't care about trying to hit you with an extra fee. I, I hope that's the case because number one, long as red zone exists, I could not care less about the Sunday ticket. Well, and you're part of the contingent that doesn't really need Sunday ticket. No. Right? You're not out of your team's local market. But but even still, for somebody like you, that your mm-hmm. team is out of market, you still got to admit Red Zone's a better deal. Oh, absolutely. It's a much better deal because it does the things for me that if it's on linear TV, that's one thing because I can guide channel, boom, without leaving the screen. Right. Streaming, changing channels is a pain in the butt. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, that's... That's something that I don't have to do is switch back and forth between games that are interesting because they'll do that for me on Red Zone, which I appreciate. Yeah. But man, two and a half billion dollars. Yeah. For a product that if if Red Zone didn't exist, mm-hmm. that might be money well spent. Absolutely. Now I, I can't say that's gonna be the case for nope. for YouTube. Not that you know Google has to really worry about you know keep, really. keeping the lights yeah. on. But I, I just think that if you're gonna have to pay on top of that I just don't think they're going to get as many takers. They're going to get they're going to get some. They're going to get some, yeah. But, but Red Zone because there's still people. I just want to watch my team. Mm-hmm. But Red Zone because of the the cost of it, yeah. and and the accessibility, you can get it in a variety of different platforms. It, it's just to me, it's it's still it's still the gold standard mm-hmm. of those two. It has surpassed what Sunday Ticket was. And for Red Zone, it's what maybe five dollars, five bucks, I think, ten bucks a month, maybe if it's part of a package. This is. What, 30, 40, 50 a month, somewhere around there? Yeah. What, for four games, five games of a team that you're looking for? It just doesn't make sense. And it never has for me. All right. That's our show for today. So tonight we'll have uh, Avalanche Hockey. Enjoyed always, uh, we always enjoy chatting with Connor McGahee. We'll have that interview up here after uh, 10 30 this morning. Uh, we talked with the radio voice of the Avalanche. So uh, don't forget Avs, Montreal Canadiens tonight here on the team, pregame at 5 30. Our final show of the week coming up tomorrow. By the way, Mark Johnson will join us. Look back at uh, signing day for the Buffaloes. And hopefully we'll talk about Tad Boyle becoming the winningest coach in CU men's basketball history. Join us tomorrow morning at 7.